0: Don't be afraid to spend in a smart way, of course. But in the end of the day, you're always just gonna make all that and times ten time 100, times a hundred times a hundred of what you actually spent in those failed businesses. You you only really need one thing that's gonna make you the money in make you successful and so all the failed stuff are going to be insignificant compared to the success that you get. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I
1: want to learn how to play piano.
0: Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day.
1: I want to be a off truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids. Getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to
2: be a beach
0: bum. I want to
1: be a baseball player.
0: Brewmaster. A
1: winemaker. Professional
0: snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and
1: writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out the show's Patreon page at patreon.com slash half hour intern, where thanks to today's guest, if you are a supporter on Patreon by Monday, March 13th, you will be entered to win a really awesome watch or a really awesome pair of sunglasses. There will be two separate winners um, donated by Truewood to the Patreon supporters. So uh, what's really cool that today's uh, guests are doing for us is they are giving away a watch, they are giving away a pair of sunglasses, and it's not something that they're going to choose. You are going to be able to choose exactly what watch or sunglasses you want. So please support them and check out their website. And if you find a watch or sunglasses that you really like, um, maybe consider uh, e- either just buying it right there on the spot or if you want to see if you could win it for free first, then um, come over to the Half Hour Intern Patreon and become a supporter of this show and, and help episodes like this come out and uh, and you might just be able to win that watch or those sunglasses for free. So their website is mytrue. Dot com, uh t-r-u-w-o-o-d so in today's episode i speak with ebes and Beesh. those are their nicknames and i just love their nicknames so that is how we will refer to them and uh they are very young guys who when they were seniors in high in high school when they were seniors in college very recently they uh they went through interviewing with tons of companies like a lot of high school seniors do and they uh even both got offered jobs and thought that that was going to be the path that they were going to go down but then they started thinking to themselves you know what it would be really great to not work a traditional nine-to-five job and try to start our own thing so they tried starting a few different companies and one of them really stuck and this is this true wood company where they make uh, different sort of fashion accessories out of wood and part of this company 's thing with uh, making products out of wood is they also really want to support the outdoors and they have a goal of planting one million trees by two thousand and eighteen and they give uh, they plant. 10 trees for every one product that is purchased they've now planted over seventy-five thousand trees they're doing some really great stuff with this company and they're seeing some really good success and i'm very happy for them as i'm sure you will be uh, after you hear them on this episode um so they will tell us the whole story of being young and trying to launch your own company and how all that goes and uh finding a supplier and getting prototypes made and and all that kind of stuff so if you ever wondered like if I had a product idea, how the heck would I get that made, and what would that look like? You will learn exactly how to do that in today's episode. So, without further ado, here is Entrepreneur Eve's Beach. Thanks so much for coming on the show, guys.
0: You are yeah, happy man. to be on here.
1: All right. Yeah. So, the first thing I would love for you to tell everyone is how old are you guys?
0: Uh,
2: so we're we're 23 years old. We just uh, graduated university, actually.
1: That's so great. That's just like the best part about this entire thing. So um, please tell us when exactly you first had this idea to start Truewood. Like at what point in your college career did this all take place?
0: So this really happened in our last semester of university where we were kind of not wanting to go into the workforce. And we just wanted to develop something for ourselves that were every ounce of effort that goes in toward it. Uh, goes back toward us as well, not instead of working for someone else. And so we started this in our last semester of school and uh, we didn't really know where it was going to end up. And so we just kept going at it. And then by the time we graduated university, we both decided not to pursue our careers that we had lined up. We both had jobs lined up. Like me, I was in uh, IT and Eves was in finance. And so we really decided not to go into that and so you guys went through the typical thing
1: startup. that that uh college seniors will do which is like going and interviewing with lots of different companies and going to career days oh, and this and that. Yeah. And you guys got offered jobs and were to start jobs and you chose to just break it off and not do that
2: yeah man 100 percent. so we were uh we were in water the university of waterloo um and they have a very heavy co-op program and it's basically they help you find internships in like you know tons of companies a lot of my friends actually work in san francisco because of the their like internship programs. so like throughout university me myself i've probably done over like a hundred interviews with companies and wow. so they, so we were like very much into that you know like get that job get that nine to five type of job and it was it was kind of what our whole five years were geared towards
1: it's interesting that you guys, wh- when everything was geared towards this, that you still had the uh, yeah. the thought process of, I don't know, this isn't going to be that good. I think I want to try to go out and do it on my own. Because what happens to so many people in so many areas of life, not just in this area, is your, your focus becomes very myopic. And you you look at the thing that's right in front of you. So if, if you're having to do a lot of interviews and if you're thinking so much about uh, jobs and what comes next after school, and that's what all your friends are doing, you just kind of naturally like walk into that path. You like naturally open that door. So it's really yep. interesting that you guys were like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to open that door <laughs> that I'm walking towards yeah. right now. I'm going to open a totally different one instead.
0: Well, see, the thing is, the the main key thing to our success, I would say, is timing if we had done this maybe a few months later it probably would have never happened once you get into a flow of something where you start working at a full-time job and you're making money and you have stability and all that it's really hard to move away from that like we have a ton of friends that tried to do this after the fact now that we've had some success and they're trying to do it with full-time jobs as well now and you know when you have a steady income and then you got something on the side that's really unpredictable you don't really know what's going to happen You might not want to take that route and you don't put as much effort into that so the really the great point for us is that we started in our last semester of school where we really had nothing to lose if it never worked out we have those jobs to fall back on and so that was a great point for us and a huge part of our success
2: yeah so yeah so to anyone who's listening to listening to this who's in school i we would hundred percent recommend that if you Ever even felt the need to want to do something by yourself when you're in school is the time to do it because you don't have that full time responsibility and like bishoy said um, you don't have that uh, you know steady flow of income that might get you to become complacent, and complacency creeps in
1: yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent and uh another thing I would add to that is I think it's so many ages um. And I'm sure I'll look back on my age right now when I'm like 40 or something. But looking back on when I was in college, I remember having this sort of feeling of, well, if I don't get locked up, if I don't get on the right path right now. So if I don't start um, on this exact path towards becoming like I wanted to be a medical device rep. So if I'm if I'm not already like laying the foundation for that, when I'm 22, then when I'm twenty-four, I can't really start then because like a medical device company like wouldn't want me then. You know, like it's mm-hmm. like that my my I I didn't lay the right uh groundwork. And that's like all kind of a load of crap. You know, like you you can you can easily <laughs> yeah, start yeah. anything when you're twenty like if this doesn't work if somehow uh, you, this were to not work out for you guys, and I know it's already working out for you guys, so congratulations, but you know, God forbid something were to happen or this or that, it's like you're okay you can always get the friend the job that your friends have like 100 yeah. percent chance uh but you cannot always do what you guys are doing so it's yeah, very smart but, but you know what you did
2: yeah and at the same time we're not saying that if if you're out of like if, if you're already out of school and you have a full-time job that it's going to be very difficult for you to start something you know there's people do stuff when they're really old you know i i think the The person who started Walmart was like 50 years old when he did. Um, You know, Abraham Lincoln, (laughs) uh, to quote my own name, was a, uh, you know, he was basically a nobody until the age of 40. So it doesn't mean that you're not going to do like really cool things or things that you want to do just because you didn't do them while you were in school.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, you guys have this idea um, to start this company and you have some of the ideas behind the company that you want to start, being Truewood. And we'll talk a little bit more about your inspiration for that later on. Um, but let's talk about like what had to happen in order for you guys to launch this company. So take us through uh the whole time period between idea of the company and then launching as in like you have product in hand, your website is up, you're like selling you're able to start selling stuff. Um, I imagine there's a ton of steps that have to happen in between there. What are the steps
2: so I guess, you know, starting from our like last year in university, we were we were constantly looking for new products to to kind of be able to sell. And, and me and Vish, we we came across these wooden watches and we personally we thought they were fantastic. Uh, you know, I, when I saw it, I really wanted to buy it and I thought it was a good product that would be able to sell. And, uh, you know, we did our research online and and we started talking to our friends. We, we asked them if they wanted to buy it and if they would pay money for it. And, you know, a lot of people gave us positive feedback about it. So we said, you know what, this this is something that we should maybe look into. And so we we went online. There's a website called Alibaba. You can go there. You can talk to manufacturers that are all over the world. And you can try and get a prototype made. So that's what me and Bishoy did. You know, we said, um, let's get a prototype made for our product. And let's see if people will actually be interested in the physical product. So, uh, and you know, prototypes aren't that expensive to make contrary to popular belief, I guess. Um, so we got the prototype made, we shipped it to Canada. So how, by the ex- way, so if you yeah. could give
1: us a specific, cause I, I think that definitely is the popular belief and would have been my thought process. So like mm-hmm. for a watch made of wood, how much did that cost uh, you guys to get made?
2: Um, I think it, it completely depends on the, the On the type of watch right um so like for example if you're trying to make like a table it'll definitely be more expensive than a watch but for our our ones that we did um the prototypes ranged anywhere from between like uh 50 to 150 dollars um which like in the grand scheme of things i don't think is that expensive and then oh. that's shipped to you and within like a month you'll have the prototype shipped
1: and like no or, no greater order place than one like that you they'll just make you one single one of these and that you still only have to pay like 100 bucks for it yeah, yeah at the product uh, yeah yeah and then how are you it, when when you're at this prototyping stage um are you are either you guys artistic like are, are you making drawings for them or are you <coughs> just trying to like write out ideas to them or, or like what what are you doing exactly
0: so really what we try to do is we try to look at the biggest watch companies out there and what they were doing and what we found like the best aspects of every single watch company that's out there. And we wrote it down and then we worked with a designer on putting those ideas down into an actual drawing. And then we took it from there.
1: And did you <laughs> draw that yourself or did you have no. to also hire some? Sort no, of no, no.
2: So a lot of a lot of these, uh, manufacturing companies they actually have designers that work for them and they'll help you do it so
1: so when that's all yeah. like wrapped up in this price, it's like they'll send you a drawing and then they'll send you the actual sometimes, product?
2: Sometimes, sometimes it's not. It really depends, it depends on, on the, the
0: manufacturer. Like We went through maybe six or eight manufacturers before we found the one that was the one we went with. And you can imagine that also takes a lot of time because each sample for our watches take anywhere from 45 to 60 days to make. Yeah. So if you were to wait for every single person, which is how we did it at the beginning. So we bought from one person, saw samples and then bought from the second saw their samples compared and then continued from there which could be take you 2 years to get before you can make anything so then we <laughs> right, started right. yeah honestly so we started uh just buy just we're like hey guys don't worry about spending the money that's how we thought like don't worry about spending the initial money everything you'll make it back in the end if the product kicks off and it does and it has success and so we didn't mind dropping let's say a $1000 on prototypes from numerous suppliers and then we compared them all at the same time and then we hit a gold mine with one of them and he was like he's the one of the best wooden manufacturers and out there and he just helped us through the whole process he has his like engineering design team who uh sends you the CAD drawings after and you can go through the measurements and stuff and we have Mm -hmm. some yeah so all that and it was just it was just great working with him and yeah that's it
1: so tell us uh about made this guy uh better than the other people and then in general i would imagine that they're especially after doing like the first one or the first two that you guys probably came up with some sort of process in even searching for people to begin with like who are we even going to write an email to on alibaba definitely reach out to so how how are you deciding the six or seven people that you wanted to reach out to and then what particularly made this one person better than all the rest
2: definitely so i i think that there's two main things that are really important number one like you know how well the person communicates and and especially when you're dealing with people that are overseas for example uh, our manufacturing facility uh, f- for the watches is in china so um a lot of it is just getting across that language barrier and being able to talk to suppliers and and really getting across in detail what you want and them being able to do that correctly is you know it's it's a really good quality that you're trying to look for in a in a supplier and then i I would say so that's really important the the ability to communicate properly Uh, the second really important thing is obviously the quality of the product and you'd be surprised you know people tons of suppliers will tell you that they're going to be giving you a product that um you know is is exactly the same compared to another supplier and they'll give it to you for a better price but there is definitely a difference between suppliers once the actual product comes in. So product quality, in my opinion, I would say is probably first and foremost. I would be able to even get it get over bad communication skills if the per- if that person's product is just you know miles ahead of everyone else.
0: Hmm. And just just to give you some example on that, so the first sample we got. Uh, we were really trying to make the thinnest, one of the thinnest wooden watches out there because we haven't really seen any of them. They're really kind of bulky right now. And so our goal was to create the thinnest wooden watches out there at a very discounted price in comparison to what other companies are selling them for. And so that was one of our biggest goals so we get the first sample in and uh, (laughs) the whole watch it's a wooden watch right so it's not polished down it's like almost to the point where it'd give you splinters if you touched (laughs) it and it's like about like two centimeters thick which was completely opposite of what we were going for and so yeah it's like just wearing a
1: clock on your arm
0: Honestly, man. So it was yeah. like well, you're gonna have to do a lot of back and forth and moving from suppliers, but don't let that discour- we didn't let that discourage us at least. And we just kept moving and we had this vision in our mind. And even the current supplier that we work with right now, we've gone into arguments numerous times and don't be worried about that either, because you have a vision for your company, and especially when someone else is um, on the other side of the world who doesn't communicate in the same language stuff is going to get lost in translation and yeah. they are not really going to understand it perfectly and so there was a lot of frustration there like hey i just made you these samples and we're like oh wait but you didn't do this right He I mean, didn't understand so it's going to be a lot of back and forth and working with them and that's just because we didn't have the money to actually fly out to china and work with them directly
1: what mm-hmm. do you think would have been different had you been able to fly out there?
0: Well, then there you're you're there, right? So you can physically feel, touch, see the colors, um, the quality of the leather straps or the quality of the wood, the shade of the wood. Um, You could literally work with them and see directly what they're making.
1: Right. You're saying once you've already picked out, this is for sure my supplier. Now now that's the step in which you want to fly out there and work with that supplier and be like, yes, this wood is good. Yes, this leather is good. Things like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you have the money to, or the cap capabilities to do that, right? Because we we were just a two man show, and so we had already launched the business after at this stage, and we've we got a pretty decent uh, first run of our watches, and so we had to run and operate the business, and so we didn't number one have the time to spend to go fly over there, and really the money yet because we had just launched. And so it does take a little longer if you're communicating back and forth and trying to remake samples and stuff like that. So right. it's all good to keep in mind.
1: Interesting. So, all right. So let's uh, let's keep going through everything prior to the actual launch. So you guys pick out this guy. He's your guy. Um, he sends you a sample. You know that you'd like it. Um, how do you then, I guess, start negotiating in terms of uh, quantity and various colors and all those sorts yeah. of things?
2: Yeah. So a lot of that part is done at the point when you're getting the prototype, because, you know, once you, once you tell the person that you're interested in the product, uh, I would say the first step would be to kind of, you know, get to a price that you guys are actually going to purchase your bulk, you know, order on. So I, I think that's actually done prior to getting the prototype. Um, so, so. All, all the discussion about like the quantities of how many products you want, all that stuff, you do that beforehand. And then once you get the prototype, it's literally just you click to order.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because you like, you got to take into consideration the fact that, let's say, you get these dope-ass uh, prototypes and they're at your door now and you love them and the guy tells you it's like three, four times what you were willing to pay for the bulk order. Then you kind of wasted like two months and you d- and now you've got to find a new guy that's willing to make it at a discounted price. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah,
1: completely. And then have your fingers crossed it, it'll it even yeah, work exactly. and look good and all that kind of stuff. Cool. So uh, talk to us about... I know you guys... Because uh, th- this could be a lot of money for some college students and young people, you guys got this really awesome grant to be able to help out with that. Please tell everyone listening about that because I feel like this is such a great option for people in school. And I was surprised by the age limit too, because you guys were saying it goes all the way up to age 29.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So what happened was we were looking for how can we fund this business? We have this great idea, but we don't really have that much disposable income, especially how we have to pay for our college debt and school and our rent in this in our apartment and stuff like that so we needed money to fund the business so we were looking online and actually one of our friends had already gone through this program in Canada i'm not sure if it's offered in the states or i'm sure similar programs are offered around the world right. and it's really a starter company program for students or students between the ages of 19 and 29 and it's people who have aren't currently in a, a study term and so you're off for like the summer or you're off like on a work term or something. And so we applied to that program and uh, we got in, we, we did the whole program. So it was like six training sessions that help you with your marketing, finance and all that stuff. And then like choosing your target market and all that. And then in the end, you pitch in front of a panel and they choose the best Pitch and they give you the grant money, and so that was essential for us in starting our business. In terms of buying Mm -hmm. our first run, and then ever since then, we just kept bootstrapping everything and just reinvesting the money, taking almost nothing for ourselves, just because we had a vision of how big we can get this to be. And so, if I take the money out now, it's going to hinder the growth for the future. Right. And so we we try to keep as much money in the business as possible and keep reinvesting, and then it kept funding itself, man. And now we're where we are now,
1: and it's great because you guys live together, so it's almost you can handle uh, your yeah. finances like a married couple. It's just like, all right, we're going to take this out of the Basically. business to pay for rent. Now we're going to go <laughs> buy ourselves some food and stuff like that, and and that's it. Yeah, exactly.
2: totally. Yeah,
1: cool, cool. Let's uh, let's try to zero in on the time around your launch really quick. Um, so talk to us about like I guess launch day, launch week. Um, like the emotions and your excitement behind actually launching um both in the in the positive and the negative like did it meet your expectations did it fall below them um and, and yeah let's talk about that a little bit
2: sure so i guess on our launch day you know we were we were exceptionally excited you know we'd you know because at this point the way we we thought about the business was if we've done our testing beforehand it's not that big of a risk and that was kind of one of our ways to mitigate the nerves that you were talking about, right? Like if you've done your testing and you know that people are interested in it, it, it should do well. So, you know, we're super excited. We have the website up, we have pictures of our product up, uh, and we launch and, you know, we don't get any sales the first day, no sales. So it was very underwhelming. And, you know, we, we, the next day, no sales. And it it took us, you know, it took us about two weeks to get our first sale. And, you know, it was a very, it was a very nervous time period for us because you know we we thought we'd done a lot of research and then you're there sitting there scratching your head. You're like, why aren't we getting sales? You know, and it was just kind of like a process. You know, during this these like two weeks where we didn't get sales, we were like, okay, what's going wrong? How can we fix it? And we just, uh, you know, just it was just like a process. We said, you know, we need to fix this. Maybe this isn't why we're getting sales. Let's try it out. And we just tried out tons of different things, and it ended up. That, like, you know, near the second or third week, we started getting, you know, three, four, five sales a day, and then, you know, 20, 30 sales a day. And it just kept on growing from there.
1: That's so great. I don't, this is going to come off totally the wrong way, but I'm really happy that that's your story. Uh, because that, that's the story of basically everyone that I talk to. And I feel like, um there's a big lesson in there about managing your expectations because I think there's mm-hmm. so much emotion going into launches of anything for anyone because oh, yeah. you've been working on it for so long and like you said like you know your thing is good and you've planned for all these things and this and that and so then you launch and you you're just like sweet like it, you know this is how this is supposed to go down and um and as I've said before on some other uh interview on the show before like then you realize like, damn, the internet is a really big place. And it's like, yeah. and I'm just yeah. this tiny yeah. little <laughs> brand and the internet is so, so big. And you expected kind of a certain amount of people to just kind of stop and be like, wow, and look at you. But uh, yeah. but it's very difficult to make that happen.
0: Yeah. It almost um, never goes your way when you first start. And you just can't let that discourage you and you just keep going forward. Because you know you got to think of it like this: you're a brand new brand. No one even knows who the hell you are, and you just put your stuff out there, and they don't even know if you're a scam website. Are you even going to ship me the product? Is your website trustworthy? There's nothing about you on the internet. Your social media accounts have like 20 followers. Like (laughs) it looks so sketchy at the beginning. Totally. And so you just got to build up your brand, build up your name and your web presence, and and it just becomes easier as you move forward in terms of the trust relationship between you and the customers.
1: So question Mm -hmm. for you. You mentioned, Ebes, that that in those first couple weeks when you guys did not get any orders, every day, it's kind of almost like a back to the drawing board every day. You know, of like, what did we do wrong? What can we fix? What can we fix? Were there things that you think that needed to be fixed? Or was it just a matter of time? It was the resource that you needed to wait for. You just needed to give it more time and that's what allowed things to start cranking for you.
2: Yeah, so there's definitely some things that you you have to fix. You know, for example, at the beginning, there were just some things that seemed very amateur about our website like, you know, the product pictures were kind of off angle, right? Like they weren't aligned properly and you'd click on the product page and then the product page would end up loading really slowly because the file size of the of the picture was way too big. So, you know, a lot of people it would just take too long for the page to load, so they just drop off. Um, you know, sometimes the the sizing of the font, uh, you know, in certain mobile browsers, it didn't look proper. Hmm. So, you know, sometimes it was just too big. So there's just a lot of details that you got to get right with respect to the visual aspect and and, you know, that type of stuff with respect to how your website looks for every single person that's coming to your site. And that just comes a bit from trial and error because, you know, for someone who has iOS, who's, you know, might be using like a translator in Germany, you know, it, it might not look really good. And you only find that out once someone actually tries it, right? And you see that it's not working. And then you can drill into what's not working and why it's not working. So, you know what? Yeah, you're right. There, there were definitely a lot of things at the beginning that weren't working. And, and I think it was more with respect to things that we were able to fix as opposed to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, time definitely has an aspect, though.
0: And and there are many tools that help you do this too, right? You're not just guessing and trying to just move forward. Here, let me change this and see it. So there's a tool we use that actually it's kind of creepy actually. It records <laughs> the person's it records everyone on your website and, and how they move through the website. So you're seeing it like their screen. So it looks like they're scrolling here. Okay, they click this, they click that. And you can kind of play back what your customers are doing on your website. Hmm. And that was a great tool for us because we can see that someone hit up our website and just closed right away. Then the next guy went to the collections page, um, didn't even click a product and left there. And so you get a bunch of people doing that and then you categorize it and see percentages of how many people keep dropping off and where the pain point is on your website right because then you can watch and see where they've dropped off and left the website
1: oh interesting uh first of all that is super creepy and uh i i imagine like just for the uh uh sanity of everyone listening to this like that that's they're not doing an actual like screen recording of the person like they're just doing like a mock-up of well we know that they clicked on this thing so we'll just show exactly. a little mouse yeah, cursor yeah. going up yeah. in this area yeah, to make exactly, it more realistic exactly
0: exactly and it's completely anonymous you don't even know anything it's just a gathering of a ton of data which you can analyze later yeah yeah, yeah.
1: let's uh let's talk about marketing guys um this is obviously like the uh, like just the biggest thing in the world for anyone trying to start any sort of company and during these first particularly in these first few weeks and in the weeks leading up to launch and then these first few weeks afterwards, um, to the point of the internet being a big place, you guys did not have a lot of money. Um, so you guys needed to be very specific about where you wanted to spend your money with marketing. Like, do we do a Facebook ad? Do we do a Google ad? Do we, um, not even do the ad on the internet and we try to like get an advertisement in a magazine or like, I don't know what else. um, Take us through your thought process with all of that and all the different research that you guys were doing, and what have you guys seen kind of play out in terms of of success in marketing? And are your are your greatest successes with driving traffic and sales and things like that related to you guys spending money? Or are is it has it basically been free? Like most of the things that are really helping out yeah, you guys did yeah, not definitely. have to pay for?
2: So I, I think at the beginning, uh, just with respect to marketing, I think the first thing that should be mentioned is that the most important thing, in my opinion, was the product, right? Because we tried a bunch of other businesses and we we spent, you know, a bit of money on marketing them and there was just no return. And so I think the biggest takeaway that you should have with respect to marketing is, is a good product will market itself, right? So it's possible that, you know this product could have even gone viral and we wouldn't have to spend a dollar on marketing that happens to a lot of companies but so so i think that was instrumental because we did do a lot of marketing before with other com- uh, with other companies and it did not succeed so i think number 1 b- being able to find that product that people you know really resonate with uh, was important so then that this is where like the actual like technical marketing side comes in and and you know this is where like as a business you have to look at who is the ideal customer for your product? and how do you how do you market it? So so you know I, you mentioned Facebook ads. Facebook has a gr- exceptional tool. Uh, you know their Facebook ads is very detailed. So um, Facebook basically knows everything about anyone who signs up on their website. They know you know their recent purchase behaviors online, uh, where they've traveled in the past you know two weeks. Uh, they know they know like demographic data, um they know their interests, you know, like for example, if you liked uh if you were selling something that's you know related to basketball and you liked you know the Golden State Warriors basketball page, you could I could choose to specifically advertise to you if I was selling something that was um you know in the basketball niche. Keeps, so you know for, uh, i love the
1: Warriors, dude. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know you love the Warriors. <laughs> that's why I said it. So um yeah, so you know that that's what we did. We said, you know, our our com- Everyone who's interested in our products are probably generally the more you know. They're they're into nature. They're kind of like that outdoorsy type. So, uh, you know, we're really able to kind of drill down into that targeted advertising. Uh, we're able to say, you know, what there's the majority of our purchases are coming from. Let's say, for example, people from between the age of 25 to 30, and we can select to only advertise to those people who are interested in nature. And you do just like a lot of like interest targeting marketing and then you know that that really helps bolster results
1: love it love it so you found that this did work well for you then like that was the that was the best sort of roi for you um it's
2: it's tough to say because we were running a lot of things at once so it's tough to say exactly which part contributed the most towards our success instagram was instrumental to our success uh do you want to talk a bit about instagram or
0: yeah. Instagram was huge for us. So the way Instagram really works is um, you could you could run Instagram ads with Facebook and do the targeting there, or there's something called influencer marketing, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. And it's really, you find an account that fits your niche and you run an advertisement on that account. So you pay the account holder, whatever X amount of dollars in order to uh, promote your product. And So that's a good way because it blasts the market with a ton of people. And it's a lot cheaper, I'd say, than using Facebook. If if you had to target specifically on Facebook versus sending it out to a blast of people at once, that's really the difference. And so it can end up being cheaper if you have great targeting on Facebook. But for the most part, when you're first starting out and you don't really know who your audience is until after you start drilling down... Um Instagram works great in that you can blast it to a ton of people and uh, you can get sales right away.
1: With uh with influencer marketing you're saying, not just yeah. regular Instagram ads. So yeah, we've we've done an episode with a uh, CEO of an influencer marketing company and my wife actually worked for an influencer marketing company. Um, That's awesome. So did you guys work via an influencer marketing company to help out with this or were you guys reaching out to individuals yourselves and being like um hey i'll give you a free watch if you do this ad or uh i'll pay you some money if you do this ad
2: yeah so so we we did it like that um it it, we didn't go through you know the the, because there's a couple of those agencies out there that like Shoutcart. i'm not sure if you've heard of that one but um yeah we looked into it but honestly we felt like developing that personal relationship with that influencer was more important, so we we kind of developed like a long term relationship with that that specific person who owns that account, and I think that was pretty important in being able to like you know negotiate good pricing with respect to how much their ads are going to cost and stuff like that. So and this never a, came back to
1: bite you with any of this. Uh, like like did it ever happen where you send someone the watch, you pay them, or just send them one to, them the watch or whatever it is? And you're like, hey, I need a photo like this. And they post a photo and it's just like a terrible photo that they posted. Or, or you know, you know what I'm saying? Like something like that. And you're yeah. just like, damn, dude.
0: Yeah, I see Honest? exactly what you're saying. Our, a couple of yeah. our friends who actually do the same thing, um, actually send the product and get the influencer to post a shot that the influencer took themselves. We try to not do that. And we try to actually send them the picture that we want to be posted. Oh, wow. And a lot of them say yes. Um yeah, because yeah, exactly what you're saying. We've had a friend like that, or, like he sells um diffusers, right? And so the lady ended up taking a shot, the influencer lady ended up taking a shot of it, and she had the diffuser in the back corner, and like you can barely see it. And so you end up wasting a lot of money that way if you get the a lot of times they'll take dope ass shots that you could use, but we try to eliminate any uncertainty by sending them the photo ourselves mm-hmm. so we can control what's being shown.
1: Man, that's a that's a great thought process, you guys. And when you're trying to find said influencers, obviously um there's like an issue nowadays of a lot of people with uh like fake followers or fake likes and this and that. So how were you trying to pick out even the people that you wanted to uh to have for this?
2: Yeah, so I think one of the things that Instagram really does well, like every every couple of months, they just do a massive purge of all like the bots and all the fake accounts, so that that really helps. Um, you know, a lot of, you, you'll often see that every couple of months, all these like a lot of these big accounts, you look like a month later, and they'll just have dropped like three hundred thousand followers, and it's just because they were fake. Yeah. So yeah. So I think Instagram does a pretty decent job. They have algorithms set up to be able to detect fake accounts, so they they do a lot of the job for us um, with respect to you know being able to find the real accounts or not it was more like a trial type of thing for us so um you know if we felt like based on you know the people that are commenting on that account and stuff and and how many followers it had if we felt like it could be a success we just negotiated like kind of like a discounted trial uh post that we do with them and once we do that we you know we we told them straight up you know if if this ends up working out if the trial ends up working out it would make obvious logical sense for us to do like a long-term partnership agreement with you and almost all of them were down for that so um it was more just like trial and error seeing if it works and if it didn't work then we just moved on to the next one
0: yeah that's great yeah and there's definitely some that you could see right off the bat like if you have a 2 million follower account that has Two comments on a le- on the photo, you know it's pretty sketchy. Like that account is probably uh, fake.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about this company, you guys, and why you started it, and the things that you, uh, like, like put yourselves into this company. So one of the awesome things that you guys are doing is that you plant ten trees for every single product that you sell. So first of all, how many trees yes, have you planted sir. thus far? Do you know? And I know you guys want to plant about a million trees by 2018, which is super honorable and awesome. Um, Just tell us about that whole entire program. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So to date, we've planted um, 75,000 trees. So we're really proud of that. And we've been always trying to give back to the environment, especially because we're taking from it as well. Like um, We do use wood to make our products, but you got to keep in mind that you could probably make a thousand trees watches with one tree and so we plant tens of thousands in return for every one that we take mm-hmm. and so that was our whole logic in planting the trees to begin with is that we want to give back in multiples of what we're taking and so that's really been huge for us and it also resonates a lot with our customers because a lot of our customers are nature lovers at least we like to think our target audience is a nature lover <laughs> yeah Um you never really know or like a travel enthusiast and stuff like that and so it also resonates with them and it's just all of us working together to build a unified for a unified cause and it's great and it makes people feel good like nowadays um, it's not just about product as social is huge for any business. Nowadays, nowadays, where people are actually conscious about the brands that they're standing behind and what their, you know, work environment is like, or how they treat their employees or do they use sweatshops and stuff like that. Right. And that's huge for everywhere in the, for uh, many brands in the world now. And so having that social aspect tied to their business, tied to your business also allows, The consumers to feel good about you and good from purchasing from you and spreading the word too yeah and you know that that that's from definitely like the business perspective it's like it's necessary
2: the other perspective is like the personal perspective like why why we decided to do 10 trees as opposed to some other social cause i think i think whenever someone's starting a business and when we were starting this like we wanted to do something that resonated with who we were right so like, personally, I, I've always been kind of, you know, the outdoorsy nature type of guy. And, you know, I love nature. I used to spend so much time in forests when I was younger, just like, you know, doing random nature stuff with friends and going hiking and stuff like that. So, being an environmentalist was, uh, you know, kind of already a part of who I, who I was. And so, being able to, you know, expand that and incorporate that into, into like, my livelihood… It's just so fulfilling, right? It's like you're making a huge change and impact in something that you already believed was important before doing this. And, and so to, to anyone who actually does end up starting a business, I think it's very important to, to do something that you're passionate about and give back in ways that you're passionate.
1: That's so great. Yeah, it's just such an extra tie that you have to your business, this extra mm-hmm. deep thing. Um, it, like Obviously, yeah. you guys really enjoy all the products that you make. Um, but it oh, yeah. just, it's it's like yet another reason for you to work hard, you know, knowing that you're doing it, exactly, this good work.
2: yeah, yeah. Because let's say you know we really we're really optimistic about like that one one million tree goal by 2018, and you know let's let's say we do hit it, we we get to look back and say you know what we planted a million trees, we we got this done. And so that, that'll that be a pretty cool thing if it had, ends up happening.
1: That's really cool. Who are you guys doing yeah. that through, by the way? I, I assume it's not you guys like going to your local gardening center and like buying <laughs> 10 trees every time.
0: No, not <laughs> at all. So we do it with a company called uh, Trees for the Future. They're a nonprofit organization and they're great. They really are centered around not just the trees, but also about the um, helping the poverty, help, helping poverty in the area. And so they really plant their trees in Africa and those underdeveloped areas where they need some sort of income. And so it also provides a meaningful income to all the poor farmers and also helps them grow their crops because of the oxygen it provides.
1: That's great. Super cool. Man, shout out to them. Um, so let's awesome. go ahead and yeah. uh, and start winding this thing down, you guys. So um, first of all, I would love to know uh, from each of you, and if your guys' answers overlap, that is totally okay. Uh, if you can look back and think of... Mm-hmm. What is the like number one most important or or best thing that you guys feel like you got right? Like that, like if we had not done this correct, everything else would have failed. Like this was a just pivotal moment in our thing. And what is one thing that you kind of wish that it you could do over? Like if you could go back and do one thing over, what would it be?
2: Sure. Um, so I'll I'll go first with the. You know, what we think we got right. So, I I think the the biggest thing with what we got right was our pricing. You know, one of the reasons we really got into this was because when we saw wooden watches, we looked at the other companies that were around and they were selling wooden watches for upwards of $300. And, you know, me and Beesh, we sat there, we looked at ourselves and we were like, no one in their right minds, or, you know, at least the average person in their right minds is is probably not paying $300 for a wooden watch. So, we kind of saw it as like, there's like a there was a gap in the market. There wasn't any low-priced competitor who was willing to come in and sell these wooden watches as at an at an affordable price. So we were like, you know, we we want to be that person. We want to be that value wooden watch company out there that you know, when someone comes to our website, they're like, you know what, that's a great price for that product. I'm going to buy it. So I think I think we really nailed that nailed that on the head.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, be sure
0: big part of our success was that we weren't really afraid to spend money so let's say you spend a thousand dollars on your first business and that doesn't pan out you spend another thousand that goes to shit and you keep doing that and you spend in the end maybe let's say ten thousand or ten thousand dollars let's just say and that amount is not gonna be maybe even a fraction of how much you're willing to gain you're gonna gain in the end and so it's such a big upside and you're just it's such a huge trade off but it is harder to do when you uh when you have a ton of responsibilities like you have a house and you have a family and you have kids to worry about and so that's why it was a lot easier for us being that we were students and so we didn't really have those life responsibilities that we had to take care of so we were not afraid to spend any money and we just kept spending and spending in terms of and I don't mean like just spend frivolously and just stupidly I mean Spend it if it's needed and in a smart way. And then in the end, that Don't amount that you spent. Exactly. Don't be afraid to spend in a smart way, of course. But in the end of the day, you're always just gonna make all that and times ten time a hundred times a hundred of what you actually spent in those failed businesses. You you only really need one thing that's gonna make you the money and make you successful and so all the failed stuff are going to be insignificant compared to the success that you get.
1: And two things I would add mm-hmm. on top of that is one if it, like one day you're you're going to be 70, 80 years old and retired. And you know what's not really going to mean that much to you at that point like an extra $10,000. You know like yeah, it's well, like who cares, exactly. you know? Like it's 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 it dropping the bucket in the grand scheme of things of your life. And even if that even if you do have a family and a mortgage and those things and you need to like really cut corners for a little while, again, one day you're gonna be eighty years old and it's not really going to matter the fact that you did exactly. that. Exactly. Um Exactly. And, and just looking
0: at all the stuff that you gain in the in between. Like I could literally work out of Hawaii, I could work out of Thailand. Just owning your own online business is huge, right? And for us, like just the freedom of being able to work anywhere in the world and just travel And stuff like that. That's the biggest plus that we get out of this, I
1: feel. And the other, yeah. Yeah. So, to to all that, like the -hmm. the other thing I would add on top of that, I guess, is if, let's say, like you said, you spend $10,000, let's say you started 10 different companies and every single one of them failed, and you truly do have to go back and get yourself a job again, the amount that you will have learned about yourself over the course of doing those 10 different Uh, creating those 10 different companies and learning about the things that you want and who you are as a person and also the different skills that you will gain and acquire over the time of starting all these different companies is invaluable in itself. I mean, like that's like a $10,000 education. You know, like people spend a ton of money. You guys said you have student debt. It's like, I'm sure you guys owe more than $10,000 in student debt. And like the amount that you learn about yourself and the world. And uh, I... It, it, even if even if it doesn't work out and you have to go and get a job, you'll just be much better off uh, having having done yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
2: And I, I mean, e- even if you end up having to get that job, I would say that, you know, if you have that entrepreneurial spirit in you, um, you're you're going to end up finding a way, you know, if you get that nine to five job, there's still, you know, probably six, seven hours until you're going to sleep. So, um, you know, if you have that nine to five job, it's it's not over. You so you can still start a great business and it's happened with tons of people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, if there's anything that you guys uh, could go back and do differently slash, uh, yeah. let, like kind of like, let's just finish this thing off with some advice. Like what advice would you have given yourself or what advice would you give to anybody else that's a young entrepreneur looking to get started?
2: Um, yeah, so I think one thing that we really, we could have done better with, was being on top of our suppliers. Um, when when you're when you're going into this as as you know you're doing your first run, I think it's important to make sure sh- be on top of everything. You know, y- you may have a lot of confidence in your suppliers, and we really did at the beginning with this one guy. He was he was a great, great salesman. He was making our sunglasses for us, and he he you know he made us very comfortable about the fact that he knew everything about the process, and he was very experienced in it, and he was going to get it right the first time, 100%. And we really trusted him and believed him. And we're still using him, but, um, you know, there, there were a lot of bumps along the way. And I think a lot of that could have been mitigated had we kept, you know, on, on ball with everything with him. You know, we made sure that, uh, you know, the color of the lenses were, were right. You know, <laughs> when we when we got the shipment in for these sunglasses from this guy, the, the color of the lenses were all, you know, a different color from what we had ordered. So, it's just stuff like that that you want to make sure, especially the first time you're making an order with someone, the first time you're putting your money on the line, you wanna you want to be very involved with the process and make sure that nothing's gonna go wrong. So so I think that's one thing we could have done better, like doing it around the first time. But you know you learn from it, and and we don't do we haven't made that mistake again.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, I totally agree. And even even just to add to that, like any part of your process that you're gonna outsource we feel that we should be completely involved in the whole process. And so mm-hmm. like whether you're going to hire a marketing agency or you're going to hire um, a manufacturer, or you're going to hire a fulfillment company to handle your orders. Um, we, we want to be completely involved in every part of the business and it is harder because we're just two people, but it, it, it Just will help the business so much more in the long run because you know everything about your business, even though you're outsourcing a shit ton of stuff to different people, like even customer service. If you were going to outsource that, you Mm -hmm. still want to know everything that is going on in your business. And so that's key. And exactly. Yeah, that's it.
1: Love it, guys! Great advice. Uh, thank you so much for everything. I feel so much more prepared to to do something mm. like what you guys have done. This has been super informative. Uh, I appreciate it, and uh, congratulations on everything, and good luck with everything in the future.
2: And maybe we'll start together something one day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, awesome, man. <laughs> Thanks, All right, Blake. man. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: Hey everyone. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Don't forget, check out their website at mytruewood.com and uh, support them. Help them reach this goal of planting one million trees by 2018. As well, if there is something that you like on their website and you want a chance at winning it for free, remember that if you are a supporter of the Half Hour Intern Patreon before Monday, March 13th, you will be entered to win either a pair of sunglasses or a watch there will be two winners one person will sun- sunglasses one person will win a watch of your choice so uh head over to my truewood.com take a look at all the watches and sunglasses pick out one that you really want to win come over to patreon support the show on patreon and uh and then just put all the good vibes forward so you can win yourself that watch or those sunglasses thanks so much for supporting the show you guys